You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 85 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. At the end of last week's episode, we announced that we would be talking about taking a book book off permafree like autumn did with her book uh, born of water recently but we decided to delay that topic for next week and because we are pre-recording a bunch of episodes here to carry (laughs) us through the summer so waiting one more week for you as a listener actually gives us several weeks on our end and well that sounded a bit complicated (laughs) but the, (laughs) the point is that this delay will allow us to collect a bit more data on taking a book off permafree so I think that's the way we're going to go, right, Autumn? I think so. I think uh, it's good data, but at the moment, I think it's more challenges and problems. And I want to give you some encouragement and inspiration. So I think just a few more weeks of tweaking and being ready and compre- you know, compiling the stats and seeing how this is going will make every, it'll make much more sense. It'll be so much more interesting. So I, I admit I'm the one who said, hey, can we switch these? So <laughs> it's all on me. No, yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. So instead, we are going to discuss creating a course as another stream of income for your author business. Is it actually worth the effort? And if so, what can you expect if you go into course creation? So that'll be the topic for today. And it's a, it'll be a fun one too. I, I look forward to sharing some of the journey we've taken to get to where we're at. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Before then, so how are things on your side of the Atlantic? No, it's good. Uh, I'll be heading off for three weeks of summer vacation this coming Friday. Um, But as you are listening to this, of course, the vacation has already passed. And I guess we're just back to work. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. Yeah, no, that's... But I mean... At the end of the day, I would just like to see the weather understanding that it's actually summertime now. I saw that. We just had the student Q&A and you were wearing a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, it's What's it's up? like it's almost it's like the weather thinks that it's early spring now oh. and it's not. I mean, <laughs> at the point of recording this, we're at the beginning of July, so it should be really nice and it's been raining half the day today and it's pretty wow. damn boring. Um <laughs> And actually, speaking of rain, uh, last week, uh, my youngest son attended uh, a soccer college and it was also raining there. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no. But it was hosted by the National Soccer Association and oh. he was actually awarded player of the week in his age oh. bracket. So that was pretty damn cool. That is so amazing. Congratulations. Fantastic. Yeah, very proud of him. Uh, really well done. And because there was also a talent scout from the National Soccer Association there, oh. and they were taking potential names for the future youth national team. Um, so given, I mean, they were not, they, they, they were not going to say which names they took. That was mm-hmm. apparently secret. Yeah. Uh, but given that he was awarded player of the week, I, as I said to him, you know, 
it would be really strange if your name is not on the list mm-hmm. that you are awarded the player of the week and then not put you on the list. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So we were told that if they do get on the list, we would probably get a call within an, the next year or so. Um, and then they would be called in for some testing and extra training to see if they are good enough to get onto the youth national team. So that would be pretty cool oh. if that would happen. I could just feel like the buzzing of excitement that he's got to have. Ah, fingers crossed yeah, for him. He really yeah, I mean, loves it's his, this. His biggest dream is to become a professional soccer player, right? So this is a pretty big deal. I mean, obviously, uh, getting into to those, those chest trainings and all that stuff. I mean, there's no guarantees for anything, right? But just getting the opportunity, at least, uh, shows that he has some... He has the right mental attitude towards it, and they recognize that. So that's pretty good. That's and obviously some talent as well as the right mental attitude. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean he's okay at it, but uh, he's not like top talent, you know, mm-hmm. best of of the bunch uh, in in doing dribblings or shootings or whatever. I mean he, he's not he's not the best of them for that, but. Um, but what they usually say when when I I talk to some of the pro trainers and they actually say that the guys who make it mm-hmm. uh, to the big scene, I mean, if we're not talking like the world class best players in the world, they also have a huge amount of talent, right? But right. Oh, but yes. the ones who just makes it to a high, pretty high degree of professional level, mm-hmm. they're usually not the ones with the biggest talents. They are more the ones with the right mindset uh, oh, and yeah. understanding that this is a work and you need to take it seriously. And because a lot of times what happens as far as what they tell me is that the ones with the big talent, they think that they don't have to work for it because it's, uh, they're the best. That's right. And and they are the best. But as they progress through the teenage years, they're usually overtaken by the ones who work hard. That makes sense. Because then talent is not enough anymore. Right. And they're not practicing and they're not really, they could be geniuses and want really master it, but instead they're relying on latent talent and not really developing it yeah so yeah that's what i've been doing over the past (laughs) week (laughs) that sounds really exciting yeah it's very good how about you oh oh it's been good i actually had a little bit of cabin to myself as my husband went up to maine to get a few last things for this 105 year old canoe he's been restoring he's in the final legs of it so he came back. So I had some extra work time and that was all good. And I've been making such good progress. The world building slides. I've been hitting easy, hitting easy a thousand words a day, which considering I'm cramming it in the first thing in the morning and right before I make dinner, I feel really good to see my story growing. I'm halfway through my first book of a trilogy. And then as I always told you earlier today, everything was going so sailingly smooth on Sunday that something had to happen. And that is my mac computer hit the hard drive deadline and just yeah oh my died God. it ran out of memory so badly i had two gigs left i couldn't even open firefox it was really touch and go just trying to find up enough room to save things and move things around That's just so. what you don't need happening right yeah i've got i would love to talk to apple why they think that having things saved on something really bad happened yesterday i stuff i had saved in the cloud must have downloaded accidentally and it was just horrid but i managed to fill up free up 26 gig and i'm i'm gonna keep working through that so i think i'll be fine i managed to get my writing in today while i was downloading files and shuffling stuff so life's good I'm not. Complaining. That's pretty good. <laughs> and the weather, unlike there, is 
gorgeous. The humidity dropped. Uh, it's a perfect, it's a number 10.5 day as far as weather goes. So sorry. Wow. <laughs> oh, you, I could borrow a bit of that from you, I, I guess. I will blow some your way. <laughs> Thanks. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So actually, I was thinking for a start here that there was one thing I wanted to ask our listeners, if that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, because basically, just like with book reviews, you know, a podcast discoverability is really affected by how many ratings and reviews it has. And quite honestly, we don't have that many. I know. So I was thinking to say to the dear listeners here, if uh, if you like this podcast and you don't mind spending just like 30 seconds can I ask you to leave a rating and review in your podcast app where you're listening to us, please? You know, each podcast app is different, so I cannot really tell you exactly where to click, but it should be fairly intuitive if you go to your uh, into your podcast app and find our show and look around a bit. I, I think it should uh, be quite easy to find out how to leave a rating and review. So uh, it really would mean a lot to us if you wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, so it'd be so wonderful. I mean, 85 episodes, we're, we're not new anymore, so it would be fantastic <laughs> to have some ratings to go with 85. Yes, yes. And actually, speaking of uh, things that means a lot to us, I also wanted to, or we also wanted to give a huge thank you to Mary, who joined us on Patreon. Yes, that's welcome, Mary. It's one wonderful talking to you. We were talking to you before because you've been around for a little while, but... It's so wonderful to have you on Patreon as well. Absolutely. And uh, we try to offer many different bonuses to our Patreon supporters. And not to mention weekly tips on publishing, writing, and marketing. So I should think that there's something for everyone on Patreon that you would find interesting. So for instance, as well on the $5 tier, you get access to the exclusive monthly Q&A where you can ask us questions directly. And basically we just came off one just before we recorded this one. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, it's always so much fun. It's great for the students and great for us. And it's wonderful to be able to give specific feedback just when folks need it in their writing. And we do it every single month. And part of it's through Patreon. Indeed. So if you want to help the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going here, you can do so for just a dollar a month uh, and at least go and check out all the rewards that we offer there and see if it's something for you. You can use the link uh, to Patreon in the show notes. So anything else we need to cover, Autumn? Oh, no, I would say just still another big shout out already when, again, time jumping, we... uh... (laughs) When we're recording this, we're still getting some edits back from the Typo Slayer team. But when you're listening to this, the books, the plotting, plot development, and the workbook and the story idea book have already been launched. But it's fantastic to be getting the comments back because you know what? My the one consistent thing I think almost every single commenter has said, mm. and that has been that they have really enjoyed reading them and really learned a lot. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly, it is funny. Almost all of them apologize. I was like, well, I was doing this for the edits and, you know, to help you out with the typos, but I really learned a lot. And, you know, they're almost apologizing. I'm like, no, this is why we wrote these. This is fantastic. (laughs) This is the whole point. So it is wonderful to see, because here we are pre-launch recording this, to know that they're really helping writers and I cannot wait to see them 
released to the world. Partially because then yeah. I'll also be done with the formatting. So yay! <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess we could also just mention that the the all the time jumping here and us <laughs> not being very timely with what's happening, meaning that we are pre-recording a lot that's basically just because of the summer holidays so this is actually the last episode that we are pre-recording that much ahead of time Mm -hmm. so basically we now have enough in the bank to carry us through the weeks of vacation ahead and then once we start recording again then we can be a bit more timely with what we're mentioning on the on each podcast episode because then we don't have to bank up a lot of episodes (laughs) ahead of time anymore (laughs) i think they'll forgive us for vacations at least i hope so i'm not apologizing for a vacation everyone needs some time off (laughs) and on to today's topic so on this podcast here we have often talked about multiple streams of income and uh, we even had joanna penn on episode 66 to talk about this very topic and one such extra stream of income is to create an online course And uh, since this is something that we do, we thought it might be worth recording an episode to share a bit about our experiences and give you some further insights as to whether or not recording a course or publishing a course, creating a course, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. could be something for you to aim for as well, be it now or maybe later on in your career. Absolutely. It was, and it's definitely an interesting experience. You should, there's a lot to go through and a lot to ask yourself, like if this is something that you want to try and there's everything from the technological, technological aspects <laughs> to, you know, are you comfortable teaching and what do you have to teach? And do you know enough to teach it? Those are all questions I'm sure are going to be going through your mind of how do you even get started? It sounds great from the outset, but when you get into the nitty gritty, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I I think there's a lot of, well, different topic areas here that Mm -hmm. we we can cover upon. Uh, I have a a few different ones marked out in my list of things that we can talk about here. But, uh, but I think actually before going there, there was one thing I really wanted to mention before we got too far into the weeds here. Okay. What is that? Uh, Because, well, basically I feel like we should mention how you have insights and you have something worth to share. And we all do, even when we don't think that we do. Um, And I'm saying this up front because many will often think like, well, who am I to consider teaching anything? I'm not Mm -hmm. the world's most foremost expert on this subject. And while that might be true, remember that we've all acquired some skills that someone else haven't. So you might think that something is easy and perhaps you will even be thinking, well, everybody knows this, but the fact is that not everyone does. No. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm just saying it because don't let your decision on whether or not to create the course be influenced by whether or not you feel like you are enough of an expert. So I'm not trying to say that anything is a subject for a course. And I'm also not saying that anybody can teach any kind of subject but I'm just addressing the mindset of you putting yourself down here. Yeah. Because if that's the only reason you're ignoring this potential extra revenue stream, then please stop doing that part at least. Yes. You have something, something you do is more knowledgeable to some, you're, you could help someone else, whether it's a course or whether it's you're mentoring somebody online or just answering a question. You have some skill that 
is worth considering as, you know, could you do something else with it? Use it as an income stream or, you know, if you're just really generous helping other people out. Yeah. So I have, let me see here. I have a number of different areas, We, uh, but right. they, they are in no particular order. So we can dive in wherever we want, but I don't know if there's any, is there any place you prefer to start or do you just want me to go down the list here autumn i think because yeah, if i were going to start i would probably s- uh, go towards the technology because that's what i have set up but i could definitely say just with everything else i don't know if you have on your list um how you learn to do online courses if that's what you're going to do because uh that was definitely something i went out and got help on and spent quite a lot of money learning how to do these suckers so if that <laughs> is one of your areas of topics if not i definitely want to add it in that... no it's not so oh, okay. maybe you can just start with that one then sure so i will say that i when i first considered online courses it has been after i had taken actually nick stevenson's course um your first 10k readers so he had taught me a lot about book marketing but i realized i'd already been blogging and helping other authors and i think that's sort of the light bulb moment when you realize hey i'm already doing this can i can i get paid to do this too i have a really unique viewpoint on how to do something and i thought about it but even, you know, I know technology, I had a blog, I do websites, but I didn't know how to do a course. So I've actually taken not one, but two courses on how to build online courses. And if you want to know what those are, if you have any, you want suggestions, you know, just drop a line in the comments and I can let you know some good options that are out there for learning to build a course. But definitely, it is um, a whole new ball game. So even if you think you know what goes into it, there's some great ways of getting stepped around to uh, learn how to build online courses and not get too lost in the weeds. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. But maybe you could also add a bit, a bit about uh, more the technical side of things. You know, what kind oh. of things do you need to set up from a technical perspective in order to actually release a course and having people log in through a portal where they've paid to get access to and then they can watch the what's each of the modules online and all that stuff maybe you can say a bit about that yes so that's definitely part of it and there are two types of courses so you can do sort of a live online one like through zoom there's a lot of people right now on zoom doing live courses or you can do these pre-recorded courses and most people end up doing, you know, a small combination of of both, doing a live one. I've run both and I definitely prefer the less stress of having a pre-recorded <laughs> yeah. course. And to do that though, so you're going to need a website with a URL. It's got to be something different from your current blog or your current website or at least it's got to be a subdomain because course material needs a specific theme. It's all these videos, it's a lot of stuff and you don't want that on a website like say where you're selling your books or you're selling, you know, something else or just blogging because oh, the one can slow down the other and it's just a nightmare. You don't want to do that because these things need to be fast. And you're going to need a plugin of some sort that protects your data. This is something you don't want to skimp on. You don't want people to be able to hack it and you don't want people to access stuff that they haven't paid for. 
and you want it to be friendly so that when they haven't paid for it, it directs them, you know, to where you go and buy the course instead of saying, hey, bad, bad, bad you. So those are important <laughs> things. And while you're doing that, so you're going to need, you can't just host your videos on YouTube because as I'm sure you've noticed, YouTube likes to insert other things like paid advertising. Could you imagine taking a course you just paid like a couple hundred dollars for and there's yeah. advertising for something on it? It would be no. so annoying. Oh my goodness. It'd be embarrassing to me if I was creating this course. So you're going to need something like Vimeo, someplace that hosts your videos that, you know, they're not going to stick on advertising a lot. If you're not hearing this, there's a lot of stuff I'm mentioning that said paid. Setting up a course is not cheap you are investing hundreds of dollars not only in equipment to do the recording you're going to be doing you know you want a good microphone you want a good sound quality but you also want to pay for a good url a good software a good theme for the course there are our websites like i think thinkrific there's a few other ones that will host your course for you and take away some of this pain but then they're getting some of your money as well and you have to fit their requirements so there's a lot of you know pluses and minuses but the very least unlike writing a book where you need a way of writing and to pay an editor and a cover artist you're going to be looking at some startup fees so when you're thinking about going into this you know schedule a thousand five thousand dollars this is what it's going to take just before you even make any money this is going to be something you're going to have to put some money and time and investment into yeah it's it's an investment indeed right it is uh, it's something but of course once you've set it up then you can keep adding more cost stuff onto the platform that you have and and so forth so it becomes easier over time right it but does. Uh, I think it's similar to when we were talking about editing in a past episode where we said that when you're first starting out, quite ironically, you need the developmental editor then, and that's the most expensive one. And then later on in your career, you don't maybe don't, don't really need it. And then that's when you have the money for it, but you don't need it anymore. So that's the irony of the whole thing. It really is. This is uh, one of those ones where you're going to be hurting a little bit up front. But once you get it going, and I, I will both fully admit, it's not like you're going to launch one course and make tons of money. It, a lot of it comes down to just for like writing books, marketing, and growing your audience. All those steps are going to apply to doing a course as well. And so the investment, just like with your books, it might not come on the first course. It might come on the third, the tenth or at least, you know, not this year, next year. So those are some things you need to weigh, as well as the time commitment. I mean, I think to me, um, as a writer, that was my biggest gasp. I was writing, I was, I released four books in one year. And then I think I was writing another one. And I decided to do this online course. I built the ultimate fantasy writer's guide it took months and that was before you and i teamed up i still i tell you yeah. stories about the time i was mm -hmm. holed up working on this thing by myself and this is why you find a partner i highly advise finding a partner to do this with <laughs> and, no but uh, that, yeah. that's actually also one of the categories i had listed here Excellent. is the effort because even 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 when you told me before we started doing our joint courses and recording those, you told me in advance that this is a lot of work. Yes. And even though you said so, it still took me by surprise <laughs> how much work goes into it. It's incredible the amount of work you need to put in. So I'm not saying that to scare anybody off. I'm just saying it because I think 
well, I cannot underline it enough that it requires more effort than you think. You might think that, well, I can put this course together in two months. Uh, Well, yeah, most likely you can't. (laughs) <laughs> it's not until you get into, well, you need to create all the, all the slides. For example, if you're doing a screen sharing thing, you create mm-hmm. all the slides. You need to record the whole thing. You need to know what you want to say. So usually you need to put a script together up front at, at least to know what you're going to say on every single slide so that it's coherent and it makes sense. Uh, and then once you're done with all the recording, then you have to start editing the whole thing, which takes <laughs> probably, I would say, twice to three times as long as it takes to record it. Um, and then, yeah, then you need to upload it. You need to put all the technical pieces together to put it in a, in a, in a nice order on, so that the students who then log into the platform can actually click on module one, for example, and then they see all the re- relevant videos there and so on. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of work. It a lot is, more it, than you think. It really is. I, I think it's sort of like, you know, building a house or something. They say it's going to take one and a half to two times as long as you think and probably be at least one and a half to two times as expensive of you as you think. So it yeah. is definitely I know when I like I said, when I hit it, I think my writing crashed. I just if I touched something fun to write the entire time of making that course and getting ready to go, I would be shocked. I, I really it no, but it's definitely it's, stalled. Yeah, yeah it becomes it's been a different the same baby. for me the last couple of months, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I've been recording our free self-publishing course so for the last couple of months, and I have not done any writing. That's the only yeah. thing I do. Uh, while you're editing our nonfiction books, I, that's all the thing <laughs> I've been doing. Nothing else. It, it takes is. forever, and, and that's it fair. Does. I mean, we like doing it, so it's it's not a complaint yeah. whatsoever. It's just I'm just stating the truth here, so that people uh, go into this with open eyes, you know, understanding that. It's not something you, you can easily sort of do with your left hand over there while your hand, right hand is writing something. It's not like that. No, so, and, uh, I mean, yeah. if you're going to try to keep, you know, if you're a fantasy author and you're trying to keep your books going while developing a course on something, maybe, I don't know, maybe we're going to teach some people reading or something like that, but something about fantasy yeah. or whatever you want to teach. It could be something speed not reading. Yeah, speed reading, maybe not even related to books you're going to have to be really good at budgeting your time to be able to keep both projects going because the course building can become overwhelming because there are so many little, it's a network of things you need to do and create and put together. And if you're not technologically savvy, you're going to be learning, you know, you're either going to want to hire someone to do it, or you're going to be learning some stuff that might not come fast to you. And so it's a huge hurdle. And there's going to be something that's going to stall you and you're going to have to stop and scratch your head and maybe get some help and definitely take that as a, as a warning. I think, I mean, when I was first started, I had a full-time job. I was writing, I was doing this, I was that, I was married. And I was just like, you just want to throw everything up in the air and run away and say, what did I do? But you yeah. know what? Three, four years later, I'm like, this is awesome. We came up with our character building course. I mean, we did that in less than a month. We created a course, but that's because we had three years of experience doing this so it was not like it came out of left field and it was a short course so thank gosh yeah <laughs> yeah so maybe while we're talking about courses and all that stuff maybe a good thing to just talk a bit about is as well how do you figure out what you could be teaching about uh, in your course so mm. um, as i said before you know it's not like you don't have to have a phd in the topic that you want to teach uh, I think it's much more a matter of trying to fi- find things where your skills and life experiences um, 
serve you well. Yes. And then maybe build a list of things that you could potentially teach. Um, but the underlying thing here, and that's coming out of everything we just mentioned about how much work it is, <laughs> that you have to be passionate about the topic that you want to teach. If you don't have passion driving you, you're, you're, you're probably not going to finish uh, the course uh, and make it available for students because you're going to die somewhere in the middle of the process there because it's so much work, right? It has to be because you love it and you want to teach it and that's wh what you're uh, going for. Yeah. So, yeah. If you thought writing a book was hard, build a course. <laughs> that's a real... If you really want to challenge yourself, build a course. But again, if, do it because sort of like with writing, not because you think you're going to be a New York Times bestseller, but because it is something you are passionate about and you do want to share and you really think you can help people. A, a unique view on how to do something that you don't see being taught out there is a great reason to write a course. Just, and again, like Jesper was saying, is you don't have to be the world's best expert. You have to have a way that's understandable, that you can break it down and teach it to someone And if you have people come up to you saying, you know, could you teach me how to do this? Or, you know, so-and-so said that you taught them how to do this and they really, you know, are understanding it really well. And could you share that with me? Look at those things. Those are wonderful gifts that not everyone has. And if you can share that with someone, that is fantastic. You can change someone's life either a small way or a big way. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I would also say a bit of a business advice here is that uh, once you have a topic in mind of what you would like to teach, try and go and search a bit on the internet to see if there's already something similar out there. And the logic sort of works, works the other way around here than what you might think, meaning that if you find some stuff out there, some other courses that are already teaching this similar topic, that's actually a good thing yes. because it's a sign that there is a market for it. If you're the only one in the world with a course on this particular topic, uh, topic here, you can probably, well, maybe not, but there might be a chance that you are so unique that <laughs> there is not really a gold, uh, a good gold mine for you to open here. It's it's more like a a case of there's not enough interest out there for for this particular topic. So try to see does something exist already, and if it does, then yeah, you that's a good sign, and you're good to go. Yes. And it actually gives you a wonderful opportunity, they say, to look for what's called pain points. So to look for in blogs and comments, uh, reviews, look for where people are saying, I wish they'd covered this or I have this problem and I just wish someone would help me solve it. Those pain points, those are so valuable. Those are give you, going to give you ideas, deeper ideas on your already having selected this topic. You can start making a list of those saying, oh, these are what people want answered. And that'll help you develop a course. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think there's an important point there as well in the sense that you need to be crystal clear in what the key learnings are for the students who takes the course. Because in an online environment, like we're talking here, selling courses online, you know, people are clicking around. As, as you know, we, you and I do that as well. You know, yeah. when you're searching for something, you click around on different websites. If it's not from the landing page that I, I arrive at, if it's not crystal clear within a couple of seconds that this one is speaking to me, it's telling me that I'm getting exactly what I want, I'm gone as quickly as I arrived oh, there, yeah. right? I'm just clicking for, oh, this is not the one. 
move on. <laughs> and that's the way that the online environment works, right? So you need to you need to keep that in mind. And what I would also say, and maybe we can tie this into another point that I wanted to make about yeah. audience, but I would say that in our experience, it's actually mostly the people who we get onto the email list mm. in the early stages of the process that ends up buying the course later on. So, uh, for example, we do offer some free videos to people so that they can see our teaching style and they can get a feel for course material and and sort of understand the style of our teaching and then if they think that it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Before we even ask them to buy something like, for example, the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, which is our premium course for writers. Uh, So, and I'm saying that because... Like with writing or building an author career, online courses are not a get-rich-quick scheme at all. You know, it takes work and it takes time to build an audience uh, in whatever niche that you have chosen to to do some teaching in. Um, And that alone is an incredibly amount of effort. And I can see as well, I mean, we've had quite some success with running Facebook ads and basically getting loads of people onto our email list that way. Uh, you know, when we open the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, we only do that twice per year. And then we have run some Facebook ads leading up to those uh, opening times and directing people onto our email list where we then give them some of those uh, free videos that I mentioned there to, to get so that they can get a feel for our teaching style and, and, the, and the quality of the course. Um, but what we do see is that most of the time they won't buy the course at that point. They will actually just stay on the list and then they might stay there for a year, sometimes maybe a year and a half. And then they will buy the course like two cycles later when they've gotten a lot of uh, emails from us in the meantime over the, the, that year maybe. Uh, we've given them lots of valuable stuff on the email list like we always do. And that's totally cool. You know, there's nothing wrong with people signing up to the list and then they decide not to want to buy it. That's absolutely fine. But I'm more saying it from the perspective of the course creator that you need to have in mind that while you can advertise your course and you should, it does not mean that people will buy it straight away anyway. It it might take time. Absolutely. It can take, I think this is one of those things where having that in mind, like you cannot get frustrated and then go delete your entire email list or something. It's, uh, (laughs) you know, as long as people are opening emails and you're providing them interesting and informative material, that's what you need. It's going to take time to get them around to trust Uh, with courses, especially this is not a $2.99 or a $4.99 novel. This is something that's going to cost, you know, money, be it $20 or $2,000. It's going to cost yeah. someone money, and the higher it is, the more they're going to have to trust you that you're really going to deliver on what you're asking, you know, what it's going to cost them. And so you've got to, you know, what whatever you're selling has got to be worth the amount of money to this person to put it in. And that trust might not come, you know, it maybe you've got something fantastic and they're all willing to open up their wallet the first week. But most likely, especially in today's current episode, pandemic um recessive world you're gonna have to ask people to really trust you and you're gonna have to deliver some really good information so that they will 
be happy with what they're getting. And that's probably going to take a lot of getting to know you time. So expect to be putting yourself and your information out there in such a way that you can be building that trust and letting people know whatever it is that you're good at and what you can teach them. You really can deliver on that. Yeah. And you touched a bit on pricing there. So maybe yeah. that's where we could go next. Sure. <laughs> to, to talk a bit about how do you know what, how to price your course basically. And um, I, I think the, again, we talked about market research a moment ago, right? Check out what, if there's other people teaching the same thing out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will give you an idea about what do people normally charge for a similar kind of course. But again, probably the opposite of what you might think here, put yourself at the top of that price range. Because, and I don't know why this is, maybe you do, and maybe you can elaborate a bit more, Autumn, but for some weird reason, the people who buy products that are cheap are also the ones who complains the most. (laughs) And I don't know why that is, but it is just so that that if they get a very cheap uh, cost, uh, then then they'll start complaining about the one thing that they don't like instead of the 99 things that was great and they they learned. Um, It's just the premium, premium students who are willing to pay the premium price for courses are also the ones who are much more serious about it. And as well, and, and that is probably the most important aspect of this whole thing about pricing, is that because they pay more for it, there is also a very much higher likelihood that they will actually go through all your course material and they will do the learning. And only then will then they start, they will start talking to other people about this course that they took. Whereas the ones who buy a course for $29, for example, they will probably not take it. Maybe they will skim through one module and start complaining about something in that one module without having seen the whole thing or whatever. I don't know. But pricing matters not only in determining how much you're going to earn, but also what type of audience you are building. Absolutely. I mean, goodness knows I have a couple of graphic design courses and even I think a marketing course and something else. And I picked them all up for probably less than $20. I always pick them up on when they're on sale and stuff. And, you know, I don't think I finished, I finished one of them, I think, but those courses I paid 500, 600, one case over a thousand dollars for, I finished those. I did the homework. So (laughs) at least you're not the ones who complain. No, I was never the one who was complaining. (laughs) I'm just one of the ones that just kind of never get around to finishing it. It's sort of like this whole symptom we talk about with free books. If you're giving away a free book, you probably it's just going to be sitting on someone's e-reader and they never get around to it. So you have to watch out for that. So, you know, check out the competition, see what they're doing, what they're pricing. And you're going to see a range. You're going to see, especially like the master classes that are out now. I think as Neil Gaiman teaches writing for $99. Well, for the amount of time and effort and work you're going to put in this, you're probably going to charge more than $99. And you might think, oh, I cannot compete with I know Jane Patterson has one I cannot compete with that as an author you're going to be teaching something different and you're probably are going to be putting a different price tag on it and that's fine because you want to be on the higher end but you're because you're not Neil Gaiman or James Patterson you're going to have to build up that trust with your audience and once you do they will be there it won't matter what 
what the price point is. Well, it'll matter a little bit. You don't want to be on the like three times the highest other one. You want to be within the upper end of the range you find. Yeah. And and of course, I mean, all of this goes without saying that we are, of course, assuming that the course you're building is of high quality, not only in the stuff that you're teaching, but of course, also in the way that your uh, entire course, all the modules are structured in a logical fashion so that people can follow through and they understand what you're teaching. I mean, we're assuming all of that, but uh, maybe I have to say that out loud as well, that it's not a matter of putting some half-ass stuff together <laughs> and then charge $500 for it you know no, that's not gonna work that's not gonna work so, uh, and again if you have if you haven't taken a lot of online courses and again they're expensive so it's kind of hard they take a lot of time but if you haven't taken a lot then taking at least one course on how to build these courses there's a whole methodology there's a psychology to it and there's a technical aspect of how to do it so it's organized and so that students will be learning from it and that they'll be most likely to get to the end because of course that's the goal you you're doing this not hopefully you know yes it's a revenue stream but hopefully because you want people to actually finish it and go on and do something great with it so you want to make sure you know how to, to actually teach and if you're not a teacher by nature and you don't know how to organize to teach two students, definitely look into how to do that before you try to put something together. Because it's not throwing paint at the wall and seeing what sticks. It doesn't work that way. No. No, and as well, when it comes to marketing your course and building that audience, I think one of the things that we have actually found very helpful uh, is to use affiliate marketers, isn't it, Autumn? Yes, they are wonderful when you can get a, a peer to buy into what you're doing and selling and say put their name on and say yes this is good and send it out to their audience oh it's it's a exponential uh increase in your reach and your trust people you know they're saying they have an audience that who trusts them and they're saying that you're a good guy oh that's wonderful yeah i mean i've heard some of the experts say that affiliate sales should only be considered like the the icing on the cake and it should not be the main driver and i mean it's not in the main driver for us and of course i can only speak for our experience maybe maybe we're the odd bunch in, in the flock i don't know but at least for us affiliate sales are making up quite a number of of the sales and not yeah. not the majority but it does make a difference it does it's not it's a it's more than just icing on the cake for sure um, but of course, I guess it also depends on which affiliate marketers you, that you're getting, and also, of course, how big an audience do those people have, um, and how well do their audience trust them when they're saying this is a good thing, you should consider buying this stuff. You know, do they trust that person enough to say, okay, I'll give it a try? Uh, because again, as, as we talked about, these are premium courses, so they're, they're not cheap. I mean, we're talking. Probably like four, five, six hundred dollars uh, for access to a course, right? So yeah, it's usually not something you buy off of somebody you have no clue who they are, right? <laughs> no. It takes time. You, you you build the audience, and and then at some point, you as I said before, with our email list, right? I mean, they've been on our emails list maybe for a year, and then they feel like okay, uh, you know, we've been giving enough good quality content here that we feel comfortable that uh, that we can buy the course and. Uh, but of course, I mean, as we also do with our courses, we do give a 30 ba- 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked to anybody. So if they do sign up for the course and they don't like it, just let us know and we will refund the money and no questions asked. That's absolutely fine. Yes. And I mean, that money-back guarantee is a huge way of building trust with people when you're asking them to put out that much money is to know 
you know, this is something that I can try out. And if I realize it's not going to fit, that's fine. And yeah, it's something you do. Yeah, indeed. So I don't know, was there more topic areas or should we sort of get into... Well, actually, we <laughs> at the point of this uh, module, uh, or well, now I'm in co- complete uh, course methodology here. I'm talking about modules instead of podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but throughout this uh, podcast episode, that There was what go. I was trying to say. <laughs> we mentioned our premium course, the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, a couple of times, and actually, it just happened so as well that we will soon here on the 31st of August, open the doors for another batch of students for the yes. first time in six months. Yay! I always love this time so, of year. Yeah. So, uh, indeed, we're only opening it twice a year, as we've explained, right? So, we wanted to mention it here, since it is very much on topic of what we've been talking about throughout this uh I was just about to say module there again. I meant episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we've both been doing slides on, on courses, so no wonder we have module and sessions and lessons in our heads. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, it is wonderful that the guide will be coming out again. So this is our premium course that steps you through from idea development to how to write a novel, characters, world building, how to grow an audience, Uh, how to edit, format the book, and how to design an author platform. We tried to make this a one-stop. If you're going to do a course on how to write and then market books, this is the course. And that's what we did. And we have students who have said, yes, this really does work. Yeah, indeed. And we have included a link in the show notes. So from there, you can sign up if you're interested. And as we just said, there is a 30-month... Blah. I'm trying again. 30-day... <laughs> Money back, guarantee, no questions asked. That was what I wanted to say. I, I guess I'm getting tired now. <laughs> I think you are, which is, it's late for you. So that's only fair. But I was laughing because I was the one who couldn't speak before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I gave it to you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I actually have a testimonial sound, sound clip uh, queued up. And that also prevents me so that I don't have to talk anymore. So <laughs> I could, uh, I think I'm just going to play that for us as a... As a lead out here. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine. I'm currently working my way through the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, and I've been finding it very helpful. One of my main problems has been plotting. I had a very hard time getting my plot to go through and have continuity. After going through the workshops for the plotting section, I have now got a full plot and have begun writing. It has been very helpful for me, and I'm sure you will find it very helpful too. Thanks. Hi, I'm JMD Reed, fantasy author, and I just watched Autumn Britt's uh, launch day module. It was uh, really informative, had a lot of great information. She had ideas I had never thought of before. I'm really excited to implement her ideas in the launch of my own book. Thank you, Autumn. I highly recommend the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide because it's one of the best programs I've ever seen. It not only covers pretty much everything about writing from start to finish, including fan bases and staying confident and everything. It also has things like languages and naming your characters based on that. 
and it has map making. It is just so excellent. So that was a few words from former students. Um, and uh, again, there is a link in the show notes if you are interested. So you can go and check it out. And all the details will be listed on the page that you arrive at, where you can see everything you want to know. Excellent. And we hope to see you there. And if you happen to be listening to this after the course has gone and launched, we do do this every six months. So there are ways, just you know, send us a comment. Uh, there are ways of getting on our email list, like the starter kit that you can watch and get to know us and get on our mailing list. And that way you won't miss the next time we launch the course. Okay, so next Monday we will be back on track and talk about what we intended to talk about today as well, and we will be looking at taking a book off permanently. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>